0: If you have a Bible, grab it and make your way to Hebrews chapter 13, where Tedra was just running from. We've been out of the book of Hebrews for uh, two weeks um, because, like, as we've just, you know, where we're at in our study of Hebrews focused on the fact that Jesus is better than anything to which we could ever turn. Where we're at here at verse 7, remember your leaders and... Uh, obey and submit to your leaders. I just didn't really feel like it was really fitting for Mother's Day two weeks ago, right? Uh, happy Mother's Day, uh, obey your leaders, right? Or last week, same thing, graduation, happy, you know, good job graduates, submit to your leaders. And so it didn't really feel like that was fitting, uh, but today we're jumping back into it. And somebody may say, well, Joe, why are we going to jump back in today? You took two weeks off. Why don't you take another week off with all the baptisms we've had and, And and let's just celebrate that. Well, the reason is because baptism and talking about this actually, theologically, is very, very, very fitting. Uh, Because, as I said, baptism is not just an individual's act. It's also a church's act. Um, It's like, I mean, baptism and the Lord's Supper together, like they both belong to the church. Now, over the past 50 years, we've wrongly privatize them to where baptism is often treated as just like my profession of faith. And the Lord's Supper is like my little sweet time with Jesus uh, while everybody else is having their own little sweet time of Jesus, but it has no corporate nature to it, which is wrong. The ordinances belong to the church. And so the church has baptism, as I said earlier, to mark out those who come to the faith. Basically say, hey, we think this person is a Christian. So you can think of baptism in a lot of ways as the front door into the church, into the family of God. And the Lord's Supper is given to the church so that we continually mark out those who are part of the church. We still think that these people are part of the body of Christ. And so that's why we typically encourage, it's not a hard and fast rule, but we typically encourage people to uh not take the word supper until they've been baptized because you got to come through the front door of the church before you can sit down at the family table and so that's why we typically encourage that and so since baptism belongs to the church it's the front door into the church those coming into the front door need to understand how the family works. What does it look like? How does it fit together? Because just like your families, you've got, you know, different members that have different roles, that have different responsibilities, different distinctions, right? And so parents have responsibilities towards their children, and children have responsibilities towards their parents, and in a similar vein, Hebrews 13 is saying that Elders have responsibilities towards the congregation, and the congregation has some responsibilities towards the elders. And so this morning, rather than just assuming, for those of you who may have grown up in church, that you, we have an understanding of what those relationships look like based on experience, let's look to God's Word and see what He says that should look like. All right? And so we're going to look at verse 7 and verse 17. In between, the author talks about some different things. We'll hit that next week. These 7 and 17 kind of bookends, talking about the same thing. So we're going to look at those this week. We'll pick up the middle stuff next week. So let's read it once again. Hebrews 13, verse 7. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Verse 17. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And so in a nutshell, all right, just thesis of this little section, for elders in the congregation to relate as Scripture instructs, we need two overriding uh, things, All right. So this is going to be your notes. If you want to go ahead and fill it in. Number one, we need elders who lead. Okay. Number one, elders who lead. All right. And number two, a congregation that trusts. All right. So those are the two big points. If you hear nothing else I say today, I want you to get that. For elders and the congregation to relate as Scripture instructs, we need two things. Elders who lead and a congregation that trusts. And before we go any further, I want to call a quick Time out and just be captain obvious for a minute and just say something that's very obvious. Uh, this is awkward for me to preach. Okay. Uh, it is awkward because it feels like I'm campaigning for my own authority and that's just weird. And I don't, I don't like it. It, it cuts against the, the fiber of like my soul. I don't, I don't like to do that. So it's awkward in that sense for me to stand and preach this. It's also awkward in the sense that like I recognize the horrible abuse that elders and pastors and those words are interchangeable and I'll use them interchangeably today uh, in many other churches have wrought on people and the harm and the hurt and the trauma and all of that. And so that just compounds this awkwardness for me to you know, stand and, and preach these things to you. And then on top of that, like I understand, you know, in America, just like we are so ruled by individualism. And so just cultural exegesis, you know, the ultimate value or God in America is self, right? It's self and expressive individualism. You and no authority can tell me what... Uh, I can can be and do whatever I want and you and no authority can tell me otherwise. And so that idea of expressive individualism taken to its final end or, or just part of the process is and results in the LGBTQ plus movement. You and no other authority can tell me what I want to do with my life. I can define reality for myself and no one can speak into that. That's where expressive individualism goes to its final extent, but the seeds of that have found their way into the church as well. You can't tell me what to do. I mean, that's how we often process things. Anything that's about me or my family or my children or my liberty or my self-determination, that's good. But anything that calls me to limit that or submit, that's bad. And we have kind of gobbled up some of this expressive individualism that rules our culture. But the reality is that whether or not it feels awkward to me to preach this or it feels awkward to you to receive this, this is God's Word. And it's good and it's true and it's right and it's profitable, right? Second Corinthians, uh, Second Timothy chapter 3, it's been breathed out by God. And so, you know, This is how God defines these relationships are to work. And so part of my responsibility to you, as the rest of the Bible details out, is to preach all of God's word, whether it's awkward or not. And so that Captain Obvious awkwardness acknowledged, right, let's look at it. And so again, for elders in the congregation, the related scripture instructs, Number one, we need elders who lead. And so look at verse 17 again. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them. Now somebody says, whoa, whoa, Joe, you said elders a minute ago. This says leaders. Well, flip back to verse 7. It defines who these leaders are. Always read the Bible in context. Remember your leaders. Okay, who are they? Oh, they are those who spoke to you the word of God consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. And so that's what elders do. First Timothy chapter 3, Titus 1, we speak to you the word of God, we preach you the word of God, and we are to seek to live our lives as a model for you to follow after, which is hard and sobering, and I don't like the thought of that, but that's what we're supposed to do. And so these leaders in verse 17 then are clearly elders, pastors, using that interchangeable. But the author here is highlighting something different than 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. He's highlighting here leadership. So he calls them leaders. Uh, yes, they preach. Yes, they're to serve as an example. But they are also to do to, to lead. And I think verse 17 kind of highlights two aspects of that in addition to all those things that we said. Like what does leading entail? Here's what the leading of verse 17's. Focused on. You may want to write this down. I didn't give you blanks for it. but Elders lead by keeping watch over your souls. Elders lead by keeping watch over your souls. If you're a member of this church, this is what the elders are supposed to do here. If you're a member of another church, that's what your elders, pastors are supposed to do there. Elders lead by keeping watch over your souls... And doing this for your advantage, or as the title of the sermon is, for your benefit. That's why they do it. Called by God, they do this for your benefit. Watching over your souls for your benefit. So that's what elders are to do. Watch over your soul with joy for your benefit. Like that's our job. And so I want you to notice this. Elders exist for the benefit of the souls of the saints. That's Why they exist. Not just to get people converted, but to help you persevere to the end because it's the perseverance of your faith that proves that you actually have faith and aren't a fake or a phony. And so question, just question. Are elders to share the gospel with other people and seek to see them place their faith in Jesus Christ? Are elders supposed to do that? Yes. The reason they do that, though, is not because they're elders. The reason they do that is because they are Christians. That's what Christians are called to do. The Great Commission was given to Christians. All of us are called To go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and Son of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. The great commission was given to all Christians. So that is our job as Christians. So yes, of course, elders are to do that as Christians, just like you are. But specifically, our calling as elders is to help you persevere in the faith to grow in faith, to watch over your souls. Because straight up, your faith is either growing or slipping. Like, it's never static. And so you may be growing inch by inch by inch, and we celebrate that. That's fantastic. Or you may be slipping. And there's a gazillion signs of slipping, but again, Captain Obvious, one of them is just not ever coming to church. That's a sign that you are slipping, that there is spiritual danger. And so that's why habitual absenteeism from the gathering is a big deal. It's a sign of drift. It's a sign of spiritual danger. Now, can you be here and be drifting? Absolutely. Absolutely, you can. But if you are habitually not here, I guarantee you, you are slipping. You are drifting and so that's why elders call they follow up they chase down how are you doing how are things going elders are to keep watch for the benefit of your soul we're to teach we're to disciple we're to guide we're to protect we're to watch for dangerous doctrine deceitful words divisive behavior and watch for spiritual development we're to shepherd we're to care we're to guard we're to model and we're also to lead We're to have oversight of the church. This is what 1 Peter 5 puts it. You can follow along on the screens. So I exhort the elders among you. So this is Peter writing, okay? And he says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. So Peter's saying, hey, I'm a pastor too. He's a pastor in Rome. And a witness of the sufferings of Christ. He was there. As well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. He's going to be a part of that with all of us and all those who have ever trusted in Christ. So I'm exhorting the elders among you. Here's what I'm exhorting to. Verse 2 Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight. Not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. So authority is absolutely there. Oversight is absolutely there. You are to do these things, elders, But an elder is called not to view his position as one from authority, but from a position of responsibility to the chief shepherd, Jesus Christ. And we will give an account for that. Back in Hebrews, look at verse 17 of chapter 13 again. Obey your leaders and submit to them, For they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. And so listen, you should expect the elders to be faithful and diligent, okay? You should hold us accountable to guard our personal walk with Christ, to minister the Word, to be an example to the body. And we will not do this perfectly. And while we are shepherds, we are also sheep. And so we also will need grace. We also will need forgiveness. But far more than our accountability to you is the accountability that elders, right now there's five of us, me, Chad, John, Jeff, and Steve Qualls. The accountability far more than that we have to you is the accountability we have before God. And so elders will have to give an account not only for their own life, but also for how they shepherded the church, which is unbelievably sobering. And which is on like my worst days where I'm just like, I quit, I'm out, I don't want to give an account. Because it's sobering. And part of that responsibility, though, includes leadership. And so again, you kind of think of a family. Families don't set a uh, vision based on the, you know, committee of the whole. Parents set vision. And they do so because they want the best for their kids. They love God. They love their kids. They want the best for them. They want to lead them to green pastures. And so it is with the calling God has given to elders. Before this to happen, a congregation must trust them. And so that brings us to number two in our notes. For the church to function as Scripture instructs us, we not only need elders who lead, but we also have to have a congregation that trusts. And note I said trusts. I didn't say a congregation that obeys. I didn't say a congregation that submits. Those, those, are, those, those are clear commands from this text. But the root behind those two things has to be Trust. For church to be what God wants it to be, the congregation has to trust the elders so that they will obey and submit to them. And we are not talking blind gullibility or absolute authority, right? That sort of teaching is what winds up being the abuse situations. You have a brain, please use it. What the text is talking about, though, is in the vast, vast majority of situations and insofar as elders are doing their job of teaching and leading biblically, the congregation then should follow their leadership. The congregation then should obey and submit to the leaders God has put over them for the benefit of their soul. And again, this is insofar as they are leading biblically. Meaning, if we're following Christ, follow us. If we derail, fire us. All five of us. Mark Dever sums it up well. The basic attitude towards elders and pastors should be either trust them or replace them. He goes on to say, it is a serious spiritual deficiency in the church either to have leaders who are untrustworthy or to have members who are incapable of trusting. Because ultimately, that is revealing a faithlessness more towards God who gives elders than the elders that He has given. Because, I mean, Ephesians 4, and this is awkward as well, Speaks of elders as God's gift to the church. Hello, I'm God's gift to you, right? (laughs) Awkward. (laughs) Awkward. But that's how he says we are to receive elders. Whatever church you're part of. They're God's gift to that particular church. And so, insofar as they are leading biblically, because again, they can derail. Do not follow when they derail. Fire them. But insofar as they're leading biblically, and not to be confused with your preference, but if they are leading biblically, we are to follow them, we are to trust them, even if it's not our preference, we are to, verse 17, obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls As those who will have to give an account. Now listen to this part. Let them do this with joy. And not with groaning. For that would be of no advantage to you. Or no benefit to you. So to be biblical. And be what God wants us to be as a church. According to his word. We have to have a congregation that trusts. That obeys. That submits. And part of that trust is so that elders can do their job with joy and not with groaning because that would be of no advantage to you. It would be no benefit. So, eldering is not without emotion. And these words, joy and groaning, are really good words for those emotions. But this command here, which says, Let them do this, is a subjunctive verb which conveys like an idea of action, listen to me, not just on the elders who are to lead, but also on the part of the congregation who's not to respond to the elders' leadership with neutrality, but in such a way that the elders might carry out their duties with joy, and not with grief. And so, like, as a dad, I am, I am overjoyed when my kids do something Christ-like, and I am grieved when they do something satanic, and by satanic I just mean sin, because that's what sin is—it's satanic, it's it's devil worship. Like when I was a kid, I thought devil worship. My brother can contest, can add on to this. I, I thought devil worship was what went on in this place called Zion Road. Okay, it was this. Spooky dirt road and there are always rumors of like occultic activity taking place on that thing. And so I was scared of that road. I rode, I rode my bike to my friend's house one time, seven miles, had to go past Zion Road to get there. Not a big, not a big deal, um, cause it was daytime, but it got dark on me coming home. And I had to go by Zion Road, and out there back then there was there was nothing, nothing at all. There was just woods. There was a field on one side, but by the time you got to Zion Road, it's woods on both sides. You're not going to see a car. I am not a cyclist. I was on like a huffy, forty pound bicycle with the gears that don't even work. Probably had one speed, but I guarantee you, Lance Armstrong on drugs has never gone that fast on a bike. I was out of there. Just weird stuff went on back there. But that's what I thought devil worship is. But we actually need to realize all sin is devil worship. You're saying no to Christ. And you're saying yes to the devil. And so when I see that in my kids or I see that in myself or I see that in our church, it grieves me. But when I see Christ being formed in my kids or in myself or in us as a church, it overjoys me. Joy, groaning. And it says, let them do this. Well, the them's the elders. What's the this? Well, Again, it's it's just eldering. It's, it's keeping watch over your souls. It's leading... The congregation, in the ways of God, is teaching, is exhorting you in the Word of God. It's serving as a living model of the faith, watching over your souls, guarding them from deceit, error, sin, worldliness, and in this day and age, whack-job internet conspiracy theories. That's part of our job, is to guard you from that wackiness, that ungodly wackiness. And so an elder and his words, whether you're part of this church or you're you know, you're a member of another church, this is how you would view your elders, but for those who are here. Again, this is awkward, but this is true. An elder and his words should have more authority in your life than, God forbid, Tucker Carlson, Anderson Cooper, or any other political commentator, politician, or celebrity pastor somewhere else. God has not called you to submit to them or them to care for your soul, but he has called you to submit to your elders and for your elders to care for your soul. And it's the responsibility of the church to help the elders do this with joy and not with groaning. And just testimony, man, it is a joy to pastor you guys to help to shepherd you guys with the four other current elders. Are there things we groan over? Of course there are. Very often, it's one of the other five of us. Because we, the five of us, just like the 250 of you, are still sinners. Saved, but still sinners. And so at times, there's some groaning, but far more as we seek to shepherd you it's joys. So, like, not even close. Far more joys. I mean, I, I look forward every single Lord's Day to getting to see all of you. I look forward to when we have fellowship times and I just get to talk with those of you, I, I look forward to, you know, after the service, when we have time to talk and just kind of catch up, I look forward to when it's my turn on the rotation to text or call or email. How are you doing? What's going on in your life? How can we be praying for you? How's your marriage? How's your uh, how is your parenting? Uh, how's your walk with Christ? What can we be praying for? I look forward to having that chance to interact with you. I look forward to my family being here, coming here, and it's not with fear that, like, they're in a fishbowl and everybody's looking at them. Like, that's one thing y'all do so very well. You don't treat my family like a fishbowl. You treat them just like any other family. And that is awesome and needed and uncommon. So thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for, I mean, it's just a joy to be around you. I love the senior adult luncheons that we have because I get a chance to sit at a different table each time and just talk with folks. I love these things. I love the fact and thank you for following the elders. Thank you for trust. It is something we... I mean, it's, it's precious to us. We want to protect that. And again, as this passage says, it, it's helpful to you. like For the benefit of you. Because again, Captain Obvious. The passage is clear. There's a direct correlation between how well elders care for their congregation and the attitude that the congregation has towards the elders. Again, doesn't mean everything's hunky-dory. But on the whole, it's joy and it's love and it's a call to shepherd and to feed and to guard and to tend. And it is that way here. Thank you. Uh, On Monday's... Um, John and Chad and I almost always go to uh, Oscar's Taco Shop after um, our... uh, We have staff meeting from about 10 a.m. to noon, and we go to Oscar's Taco Shop and and talk about really deep things like Marvel and Star Wars and those sorts of things. Every now and then, though, we do talk about something a little bit deeper. Um, And I'll tell you about that in a minute, but I just got to give a side note real quick. Uh, Bobby... Bobby Hall, every Monday, we see him. Like every Monday, he's at Oscars. Matter of fact, if y'all drive by Oscars on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday at lunch, Bobby's there. (laughs) I even told him this past Monday, I said, Bobby, I don't think you realize this, but there are other restaurants in Noansville, right? He just loves him some Oscars. So Bobby and Brandon, every single time we go, they're there. But this past Monday, we did get to talking about something a little bit, you know, deeper than Marvel or Star Wars. We were talking about, you know, what, if the Ward spares us and gives us life this long, what we will, you know, what would we like to do in 20, 25 years? What, what would we envision that looking like? And so we're just, you know, sharing a little bit uh, about that. And for me, uh, I want to be a hobby farmer, right? I want to have 10 to 12 cows, 10 to 12 chickens, a uh, big field of corn, and then a gigantic vegetable garden that Sarah and Eden and I, because I expect she'll be with us, can can, but also donate to a food pantry. Like, that's what I want to do. I, that sounds really, really fun to me. I would engage my mind. It has me doing something. I want to do that. That sounds really, really fun to me. So I like have this, you know, on my worst days, sometimes we talk about on Mondays, like, as pastors and elders, on, sometimes on Mondays are, are, are really hard days because you're worn out. And so on Monday, you start imagining, man, what would it be like if I could just like drive an Amazon truck? Yeah. Like, if I could just do that, you know? Well, my Monday is, man, I wish I could be a farmer. But as I was preparing this message, message this week, and I was just kind of thinking on that, I was like, like, the thought came to me. I was like, you know what, Joe? You kind of already are a farmer. Because... Farming's what elders do. With God's help, we grow souls. We tend them, we feed them, we water them, we protect them, we care for them. We get bitten by them sometimes. But going old school Nashville and quoting Conway Twitty, that's my job. That's what I do. Your elders, their role is for the benefit of your soul. That's their job, is to watch over your soul. Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. As those who will have to give an account. Let them do this with joy, not groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And so leaders who lead, and a congregation that trusts, that's what's needed, that's what we have. Let's keep that going. For the glory of God, the good of those around us, the good of ourselves, and the good of those who will come after us. Let's pray. Father, again, we thank you for uh, these baptisms this morning that reflect the salvation that you have given to Cody and Ethan and Kira and Gunnar and Micah. And Father, we pray now that you would continue to form them for the rest of their lives. And we pray those same things for all of us in here. Who have confessed you as Lord and Savior. That you would shape us and change us. And make us more and more and more like Christ. That we would not be conformed to the pattern of this world. And maybe not even. Uh, of, we may think to ourselves. we won't, Of course won't be conformed to the things that the world wants to do. But Father may we not even be conformed to the way the world argues for the things they want to do. Father, help us to be committed to means and ends. Not just ends. But let us be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And Father, let us love one another well as a church. And Father, would you be pleased to work in us and through us and, Lord, indeed for us, for the upbuilding of the church and the ever-increasing of our own joy and your glory. As those things go together, we worship and enjoy you. We ask this in Christ's name.